Welcome to the Shifties podcast. Here with me, your host, Alex Hughes, founder of Shifties and entrepreneur. And in today's episode, I welcome Claire from I Am Stobbs, and they are an intellectual property specialist. And we talk about the importance of intellectual property for micro businesses and startups. Some of just the definitions of what is required, what we should be thinking about, questions that we need to be asking ourselves as entrepreneurs to protect our brand and to, to protect the future of our businesses. So uh, Claire was um, very happy to, to share as much information as she could with us uh, throughout this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And if you haven't already, uh, make sure you head over to shifties.co.uk, uh, sign up as a free member. It's there for any business owner who wants to connect, learn and grow with others completely free. Let's dive into it. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. All right. Not nervous at all? No. <laughs> we're trying to chill out here. We've got, we've got notes. We've, we're prepared. We're fine. It's okay. <laughs> so we're good. So if you are watching live, please do uh, feel free to ask questions and uh, any comments. If you want to add value to the conversation, please do. Uh, this is a live recording of our podcast. So uh, we're very much going to be focused on the conversation. But if you do want to interact, then by all means, please do. Uh, we would welcome it, especially if it's about caterpillars and uh, M&S. <laughs> <laughs> hot topic this morning. <laughs> it is a hot topic. It is a hot topic. So I think probably the best place to start is just um, a bit of an introduction to yourself yep. and uh, how you got into this line of work, this very interesting line of work that you're in, and uh, a bit about Stobbs as an, an organisation as well. Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, so I'm Claire. Um, I am a chartered trademark attorney and I've been in the profession since 2007, which makes me feel quite old when I say that now. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Particularly when I had a career in retail beforehand as well. Oh, okay, so, right. Interesting. Yeah, so my background is I have a music degree, um, okay. which is possibly not totally related to what I'm doing now but it was one of those things at school you know they say oh what are you interested in what do you like doing yeah. so music was that for me I came to do that at university and quickly decided I wasn't good enough to make it as a professional musician um, when you're around what, it, what, what did you do what sort of um so I played the flute so oh, that was my yeah. main instrument and I did um more the practical side of music so I did conducting study of you know jazz and wow. things like that I did do a module of education with it because I thought oh maybe I'd like to be a music teacher definitely did not want no. to be a music teacher <laughs> <laughs> spend my day with lots of children all day every day greatest respect to teachers out no, there. Yeah, they're, they're then, heroes right I mean it's a hard work it, definitely so um so yeah so I was getting to the end of sort of university and I was like well what do I want to do and I'd always worked in retail and I'd love brands so I applied for a couple of graduate schemes um and I ended up going with one which meant I could stay in Cambridge okay um and, you know, retail is hard work. Yeah, oh, yeah. Anybody who's worked in retail, um, you know, I was 21, I was managing sort of 45 people, hiring, wow. firing, you know, payroll. And it's a lot of responsibility um, for not that much reward, honestly. No. Um, and, you know, I didn't really see myself staying in retail and I'd always had an interest in the law. So I was kind of looking at, you know, whether I would need to do a law conversion course or things like that. And um, a job came up in a trademark and patent firm as a legal secretary. Um, and I'd looked into brand law previously and was really interested in it because obviously it's all the stuff that I liked about yeah, my Because you're excited about protecting brands, exactly. both from a legal point of view and from a 
elevating the brand point of view exactly yeah. and it's you know particularly because i was working in a department store i had different brands they all had different stands and different ways they needed to be presented and because they had their brand guidelines and uh-huh. you know how they need to be perceived by the consumer so um so yeah so i thought well i'll go for it got you know got the job as um, a secretary and you learn so much being a secretary, you know, you're listening to everything that's going on. And at the time, the qualification system is different now, but they were on the job um, examinations that you took on an annual basis. So I took a punt, put myself through the first exam and um, then a trainee job came up within the firm. So working for um, Julius, who owns the firm that I'm at now. Um, And yeah, the rest is history. So I got the trainee job. um, At this firm? Um. Not this firm, so it was two oh, firms previously, right, fine. Okay, but with fine. the same guy who owns oh, the firm now. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, I was working as a secretary for one of his team and then worked as a trainee with him. And then um he had the opportunity to set up a trademark for a sort of trademark team within an existing patent firm. Yeah. So he decided to do that and I took the you know, he's an exceptionally talented guy that yeah. I wanted to continue my career with him. So I applied for a job at um there um and then qualified whilst i was there and then in 2013 um julius was able to set up stops on his own right and um, it's just solely sort of a brand and um soft ip focused practice really yeah. um and we started in 2013 there was 18 of us and yeah. there are now just over 130 of us wow so, wow what a phenomenal journey yes yeah, you so, were part of that kind of founding team as well yes, it's really exciting yeah so um yeah it's a great experience to to have been you know sort of starting out yeah. um, as a sort of we're quite disruptive in our field um, and we still continue to try and do that to try and take a different approach yeah. to protecting ip because it's not obviously the legal side is hugely important, but actually we need to take into account commercial factors, what works best for the business. And it's really important to us to get involved with the business itself, understand what is trying to be achieved from the commercial side of things, because then we can advise better. And, you know, we strive to be, you know, like part of your team. So you don't have to worry about picking up the phone and it's going to cost you loads of money. Like you just, Claire, what do you think about this? And just have a, you know, quick, Sort of it's important isn't it there's there's another um so um, you thank you for contributing to our ebook as well no um <laughs> and that's kind of that kind of shows how the business is and how collaborative and open you are to those conversations and there's a another firm uh, who contributed that called emw law mm-hmm. and um sounds like a similar ethos they're like well we're yes yes we're lawyers but we're a business that does law so you understand business and being a startup and being part of that journey, you understand the challenges that small startups and small businesses have and exactly. you know, the leadership challenges, everything else that comes around that. Yeah. You've seen all of that unfold. And I think it's a prime example of great leadership from your, your, um, is it Julius? You Julius, say? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for him to inspire you to come and carry on. I imagine there are other people that carried on that journey as well. Definitely. And, um, you know, our firm has always had the sort of, um, sort of family style feel we all get on very well we respect yeah. each other there's no hierarchy so you know in some firms the partners would go out for lunch and you know secretaries aren't invited yeah. there's none of that it's you know everyone's treated equally for it's their nice. contribution and you know we've got a really high retention rate because of it because it is just a genuinely nice place to work and we're cared about as employees so. that's nice isn't it yeah. yeah it sounds really exciting yeah i, I mean that's I, a lot of people 
It is all, yeah. all all in one place, or are you spread out? So we've got offices. So our head office is in Cambridge, and we've got another office in London, where we've probably got about thirty people, sort of permanently based right. out of London. Obviously, not at the moment. Most people are at home, and then we've got a couple of satellite offices because of Brexit. We've got mm-hmm. an office in Germany now, and a oh, base nice. in Spain too, just so we could continue. I, I assume you must have to go visit for for work purposes. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. work from these various different locations. So, but it's a global organization essentially then yes and for our clients we protect you know their brands globally so particularly for us for the big uk directs we have the responsibility to make sure their brand is protected around the world and offer strategies and also um for clients so i work with a lot of us clients for example and they will send me their european work to do as well right makes sense yeah so you get to build really good relationships with different people all over the globe and whilst you know the ethos of trademark law is the same you know across the world there are you know quite a lot of nuances with the different legal systems and challenges that you're like really do we need that legalized really Mm. okay right we'll get that document done so yeah it's it's a a very diverse life that you live uh, that you live in in that world as I imagine it's every day is very different yeah and that suits me perfectly because I like variety Mm. um and you know particularly with my client base I've got you know tech companies I've got scientific companies I've got fashion food and drink and actually you know you get to know industries that you didn't know existed like particularly with trademarks and brands and um, IP generally a lot of people don't really come across it so they don't really think about it no and it's not until usually people have ended up on the wrong side of it that they're like oh I didn't know about you know i needed to protect my brand or i needed to clear things before i started using them so yeah, yeah so i learn lots on a daily basis <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> about that's things what... i never thought i knew I needed to know that's really really cool so so you've kind of found this path for yourself through i, lo- I love this so it, there's a big conversation at the moment um i'm sure you're aware in just society generally obviously there's a big challenge for young people Mm-hmm. And the work that Shifties does, as you know, in terms of our alignment to other organisations, we want to support the development of young people. Yeah. And that's a prime example of like, well, you know, music's my passion. Um, I'm going to use that as a vehicle to get into the world. And, and, and I've got, yeah. you know, you've, you've obviously supplemented that with other activities around it. And you found yourself in just because of the organisation, I suppose, you wanted to get involved in the organisation and brands. It was exciting. Yeah. But you at the point when you were a secretary mm-hmm. did you really know where you would go after that or did you not mind because you were just in the organization you're waiting for an opportunity um, so I definitely I knew I wanted to progress in that world but I didn't yeah. know whether it was an option for me or whether it would be possible right. and actually um the people that I work you know a lot of them I still work with now there's probably I think six to eight of us who are all at the original firm when we started we're still together now um and they were super supportive of me and helped me you know here's some notes to help you with your revision and stuff so it's you know having good people around you definitely definitely helps um and also just having you know believing in yourself as well so i'm just like i will if i put my mind to something i will do it so yeah well i mean listen well clearly clearly because you've you've built yourself a, a fantastic career through that yeah. So what do you do? So tell us a little bit more about away from kind of well, how do you maintain that mindset? We were talking a little bit while we were waiting for coffee before we got here about that you were you were going to go away at Christmas or whatever, mm-hmm. and the reason you stayed is because the team needed you, mm-hmm. and you're now a leader within this organisation. How are you developing your leadership? How do you? you know, is it, what are you doing for your own self development around all of that? Yeah. So I think. Um... 
you know, I think the being a good leader, you've got to have good people working with you, I think. And I'm very fortunate, you know, my direct team and the wider team in Stobbs, it's very collaborative. And, you know, we've always got lunchtime sessions on to, you know, learn about, you know, different areas of the law that we don't necessarily do every day. Um, You know, 90 percent, I would say, of my work is trademark based. But some of the other teams, they do more anti-counterfeiting or they do more copyright and design. So it's always just having that um, urge and desire to know more and actually sort of um, be able to improve what you're able to offer um, your clients. But um, yeah, I've always been quite driven, I think. where does that yeah. come from? Do you know I don't. I, mean? I don't know. No, yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just happens. It's just yeah, there. I think you know. Um, you got such a passion for the subject. Yeah, I remember I, I, the first time we had the conversation yeah. when we were talking about the ebook and the other stuff. You, yeah. you're so passionate about the subject. It's 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 interesting, but it's, yeah. it probably comes at the core of that brand that you love brands and you want to protect them, right? Exactly, and you know, I love working with people who really care about their own brands as well because. Um, it doesn't matter whether you've got one brand or you've got 20, actually, it's, it identifies who you are. Um, yeah. And I just find the subject inter- really interesting and what people would, it's very subjective as well, what we do, like what we would consider similar. You know, you've got someone on the other side of the case and they're like, no, you're nuts. This is yeah. not similar. Like, no, it is very similar. And it's, <laughs> you know, um, the case all changes all the time. So then you have to adapt that into your advice and yeah. how things work. It's it, like for outside, like I, I like the most simplistic way of looking at it from my point of view. I like, I love suits. Yeah. You know, I just, I like the, the, the thought of the battle in a, in a meeting room about something or, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe it's probably not quite as, as, as exciting as that yeah. when you're in it, but. Yeah. It depends, you know, day to day, like, I have quite a high turnover. We do a lot of administrative um, actions, but, you know, every now and again, you do have a case in court and it is, you know. Intense. It is. And, you know, nobody ever wants to end up in no, court. No. Know, it's a lot of money and usually there's a way through it, you know, yeah, through yeah. settlement and negotiations. But even those, you know, take years. You know, I've my longest running case that I recently settled was 11 years. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah. Bloody hell. So, but that's, but that's a big party those, after that one, I imagine. Yeah, so it's, but it's, you know, one of those things, um, you know, when people feel that they're right about certain things when they may not necessarily be, um, you know, you have to find a way to work through it because yeah. um, otherwise you cannot spend, you know, a lot of money in court. And, and years, yeah. apparently. Wow. Yeah. That's so, insane, isn't it? Yeah. But usually people, you know, people are quite reasonable and you can say, look, this is what we're concerned by. These are the rights we have. And mm-hmm. usually you can come to an arrangement. Either they'll be like, you know what? Yes, I didn't realize I need to withdraw. Or um, we can come to a settlement arrangement around you do yeah. this, we do that. So most of the time it settles. I would outside. say most of it would yeah. settle. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, oppositions are just run through to a conclusion. Um, right. They're sort of more administrative. It's it's rarer that thing, you know, it gets so that's so damn it i was just excited i just like the idea of you know, <laughs> one day i'd like to get involved in those sort of situations just just like to be a fly on the wall just because yeah. it's uh i love <laughs> a negotiation so yeah yeah i imagine it's quite intense yeah. oh, you've got a lovely comment here from um paul lane who says a uh, uh, great company known claim claire for a long while smart lady you've got oh, a nice uh, thank you paul <laughs> <laughs> um so let's get into it then so um i kind of briefed you a little bit I, I think where we are as a community, I think we need a bit more awareness around this, which is why I, th- I thought it was really important to include an ebook, and, and that kind of really summed it up for us, which is perfect. But 
know, could we just start with an absolute definition almost of, you know, you know, from a small business owner's point of view, what should intellectual property mean to us? And you yeah. know, kind of what should, what sort of questions should we be asking ourselves when we come, come across the subject of, because we're right in the middle of right now, we're halfway through our launch challenge. Mm-hmm. So we've got 50 businesses on our launch challenge right now. They're like, you know, they're developing their brands. They're uh, building out their product offering, you know, mapping out their target market, things like that. And something that we haven't covered on that actually um, is the intellectual property side of things. And yeah. it's very rare. I've been through programs and masterminds and all sorts of um, various programs for small businesses. It's quite rare unless they're looking at funding or things like that, yeah. that this is a subject at all. Yes. And that's unfortunately, and it's, you know, partly due to a lack of awareness that like we were talking earlier, you know, you don't know to ask the questions because you don't know. Don't know. Yeah, don't, exactly. Um, I remember my boss once said to me, no one grows up wanting to be a trademark attorney. It's just not a profession that people, no, it's um, true. people are aware of. So I think, you know, when you're setting out, um, probably the, the things to think about is what actually is encompassed by IP. So um, you've got trademarks which are, you know, protecting the brand. So they could be, you know, the company name. It could be a logo. Um, so I you trademark like the like I'm thinking about it, like we trademark like the swoosh of a Nike exactly right fine yeah. okay cool so that's protected um, and there's also things you can protect like um, packaging designs okay. um, you can do that through trademarks as well as designs which I'll talk about in a minute um, you can also get color marks so they're very difficult to get but oh, bigger brands if you can show brand recognition they have their particular pantone color protected um you can protect the shape of things so there are exceptions to that so if it's a shape that's necessary to perform a technical function that wouldn't be covered by trademark protection but if you've got a particular like a unique um bottle design or something like that that's very unusual you might be able to get trademark protection for that um and yeah there's sound marks and smell marks again really smell marks yeah they're very difficult to get wow i don't know anybody who's got one in recent years (laughs) but they're definitely possible and that's the thing um and it's being able to record them on the register in a way that's understandable to the consumer so there's challenges around that but so they're they're the main one and pretty much all businesses will have some form of trademark um the next thing is uh patents um so they protect inventions and they need to be new and have some form of inventive step um the key thing with patents is you don't want to be disclosing that before you've got your patent in because um there's very strict requirements around that for trademarks. Um, there's no, you can file whenever you like, you could have been using for 10 years and then you can file. Right. And can you backdate that file? You can't backdate it. Right. Okay. But, um, you know, if you're in the UK, you will have been generating common law rights, um, at the same time. So, um, so that sort of patents. And then we've also got designs and you've got unregistered and registered designs and they cover slightly different things and last for different periods. Um, so when you say designs, so, so that will be like fabric patterns right, or fine. handbag designs. So if you're if you're selling kids' clothes and you're designing it yourself and whatever else, you could protect that yes, through yeah. brands marking. So through through design protection. Design protection, so, right? Fine. So say if you've got a garment, so it would need to be obviously if it's just a t-shirt, you're not going to be able to protect no. the shape of that. It's got to be something quite unusual, like a particular shoe design or um, a a placement like an unusual pocket configuration or something like that um but you could protect the fabric patterns that you know if it's a new fabric pattern that you're right. doing um you can also protect fonts through designs um you know different 
um like maybe if you're doing an audio system a, a usual speaker yeah, yeah. or something like that so um with designs you have to file those within 12 months of disclosing them publicly right makes sense and you can renew them up to 25 years so you, at five-year intervals mm. um so design protection is really good um because you can put more than one design in an application as well, and you can put in include different kind of views. Exactly, right, they've okay. got to be in the same sort of classification, but um, they can be quite cost effective. Yeah. Um, I can imagine a lot of like big brands like like Gymshark and and play, mm -hmm. uh, brands like that where they're they're selling on the technical quality mm -hmm. and the specificational quality of their uh, their clothes for gyms. I imagine in that world, it, it's quite busy. Yeah, so they will probably. I mean, there might be something in um, the actual fabric itself, which yeah, like how it how it breathes and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the design might be covered through, you know, if it's a particularly unique design or you know, placement of particular things on the fabric that can be protected. And then there's also the Gymshop brand and also the logo. Yeah. So there's lots of things that you know you think, oh, it's Gymshop, that's their brand, but actually there's lots right. of other things that could be um, protected. And need yeah. to be, I imagine, because they're exactly. man a knockoff, especially yeah. in that world. Exactly. When you're selling product, I think this is particularly important. Definitely, right? yeah. And um, when you're looking at um, counterfeit products, actually having trademark registrations um, is really helpful for getting marketplace takedowns. So we run, we offer programs for people who do have product merchandise who have problems with counterfeit products. Where we have software that we can able to do multiple takedowns on marketplaces such as Alibaba, eBay, wow. things like that. So um, it's you know you've got to get your protection in, and then actually you've actually got to go and attack the market with it. Yeah, because there's one thing getting your protection, but then you need to because you want everything, everyone coming to you, mm. and you don't want people to buy a dodgy T-shirt and think, oh, that was really bad quality. I'm not going to use them again. When actually it's nothing to do with you. Mm. It's someone you know ripping you off. It's so hard. It must be. I mean, there's so much of it. I mean, there's yeah. always been a lot of counterfeit, but nowadays yeah. everyone's, like you say, going to Alibaba or whatever. And yeah, we looked at it a while ago. Sorry, we looked at it a while ago um, when we were looking at dash cams. We, we were going to go in the yeah. dash cam market. After, I mean, this was years ago. I was looking at this, and we were in a white label. Yeah. Um, and we ended up we we managed to broker a deal. This was my old business partner at the time with. Um, Blaupunkt. Do you remember they used yes, to they used, used to, to do stereos? Yeah, my yeah they used to do stereos. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So we so Danny, my, my business partner at the time, was looking at it um and said, Well, you know, instead of us trying to develop our own brand, mm -hmm. let's actually look at licensing their brand. They weren't yeah. doing it at the time. Yeah. So it, we end up looking at doing a licensing deal with them because yeah. exactly this problem. We're like, Well, yeah. if we bring a white label product into the market and put anything on it, yeah. if someone's patented the 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 design of the webcam or whatever else we were just really worried about it so like well we'll just we'll, we'll let them worry about that they've got the licensing they've got the team to deal with it you know yeah. it seems like a good route to take but i imagine licensing is some there's a lot of challenges around that as well yes yeah, so that's actually something we've introduced into our offering in the last year we have um, a lady called esther who um worked on sort of product licensing she's worked for coca-cola and hershey's and wow. brands like that yeah, so, good experience yeah so actually being able to offer our clients um an extension of their product range so like you're saying with um Blaupunk, they were doing stereos but they weren't doing dash cams and actually if you're thinking oh i've got a business and a brand 
and I don't really want to go into doing the actual manufacture myself, we can help find the partners nice. to do that. So That's really good. Yeah. I think that's a great opportunity because you, as you say, you've got this, there are so many great brands mm -hmm. that rightfully so for the leadership team of that brand, they're like, well, yeah. we do this thing, mm -hmm. but their brand could serve so many different markets. And actually, that's an opportunity for you know some young aspiring entrepreneur mm -hmm. to say, well, I can't, I can't, I haven't got the capital or the energy to build out my own brand. Mm -hmm. I can approach them and, that, and you can facilitate those conversations. Yeah, if you've got, you know, the manufacturing capabilities or able to get the products and what have you, then that's certainly an option. Mm -hmm. And it works both ways because um, for the brands, they're getting a wider product offering they're getting a royalty off um oh yeah. well, they, they, they got us a good deal they got us <laughs> we were like i looked at the deal i was like what you like really but then that's the power of brand that's the thing and you know people automatically want because they recognize they know it's a high quality speaker system so if they see yeah. that name on another product they're like well they must be good in this field as well because exactly we've learned that from you know and that's why it's important to have your brands protected because um and enforce them as well because you want people to think of your brand in a certain way and it's why it's good to have brand guidelines and mm -hmm. particularly if you're licensing having strict um consideration about how it can be used what it can be used in conjunction with because it's all about making your brand look professional and appealable you know to the consumer yeah yeah because and you have to protect that i mean it's yeah. crazy isn't it yeah well it's just it's just interesting because it's it's clearly important like it's clearly important but i don't feel like the conversation's had enough mm -hmm. and i don't you know I don't know what we, I think this is what we should be doing, having conversations Definitely. about it and sharing content and, and, and opening you know, some awareness around the subject. But you know, there, there, there needs to be more of that, that going on. So do you as an organization do much from an awareness point of view? I know it's probably quite difficult for you because you're scaling from 10 people to hundreds of people now, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, do you feel a responsibility as a company and organization to, work with education systems and other organizations to support that sort of thing yeah so we do a mix of things so um for our clients we'll you know give them in-house training um on the subject matter so they get a better understanding of what they need to be thinking about so we'll do that with clients um i myself do a bit of networking so i'm always happy to give presentations and yeah. sort of background on the brands we also work with the uk intellectual property office we do um free clinics with them awesome. um so for people to come and have a consultation with one of us on a voluntary basis so there's lots of things that we do sort of around that we have our blog um which, yeah, which is good by the way i've read it it's oh, good. Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> the blog team worked very hard on the blog. i can't take any credit for oh, it's it fantastic yeah. it's really good <laughs> but um but yeah so there's lots of things that we do to try and sort of educate people about it because we want people to be thinking about it when they're starting out because unfortunately mm. sometimes people do come to us too late when they've had a letter from someone saying that's our brand We've so got what does that look like what does that process look like i'm interested in this so yeah. what so let's say we didn't they go okay yeah i understand they've listened to this podcast back and go yeah i understand the risks i kind of get it and then what, what what's the usual situation when they haven't done it yeah. what is what is that letter that they receive um, so it will be a letter sort of from the brand owner or, you know, their representative saying, you know, this is a bit about us. These are our rights. This right. is what you're doing. This is why it infringes our rights for X, Y, Z reasons. And it could be trademarks. It could be trademark copyright and design, you know, depending yeah. on what it is you're doing. And then it will give, you know, usually a list of undertakings of what, you know, to stop doing it, um, you know, 
provide undertakings that you won't do it moving forwards. Um, there might be damages requests, wow. things like that. So it can so be quite. It can be very. Well, it's very serious, you know. If, particularly if it's an ID mark for ID mm. goods or services, we, the other brand doesn't even have to prove confusion. So wow, um, so it's up it's to you to prove you're not in a wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they've got their earlier rights, and then um, usually at that point people will come to us and we will assess, you know, sometimes people send out speculative letters and we're like, well, do you know what, actually, I don't think that they have got that good right, a case. Okay, yeah. um, they're just chancing to see whether, you know, mm. you'll capitulate. But unfortunately, in a lot of cases, they do have a reasonable case. And then it's, uh, you know, do we want to fight this? Do we think they're serious about going to court about it? You know, they've got a good case. And actually, do we think there's any way to settle and um, mm. we can have some set try and settle it with the other side you know maybe agree a phased phase out or only stick to certain areas as long as we don't encroach into what exactly they're doing um or it could just be you know we need to rebrand and that's the worst thing wow, because imagine that you know cool. where you've set you've set up your business and you've been you know it's probably been a couple of years you've mm. you gradually get to that point where you're getting recognition and that's where you've been noticed by someone who does have the earlier rights and then honestly my heart's like whoa can you just imagine it yeah it's horrible because people have invested so much time into their brand and particularly if it's product based or mm. you know uh, you've got a shop or you've got all the signs. Yes. It's, it's all those costs. And it's one of those things. It does often get overlooked at the start because, you know, trademark searches, I mean, we're very reasonable from, yeah. uh, you know, a cost perspective. We don't, you know, our fees aren't astronomical by any means, but it is an expense that people think, oh, do you know what? If it's a choice between doing that and doing this, I'd rather spend my money on doing this. And actually, you know, a couple of years down the line, they might regret that because then um, they might have to change what they're I mean, Can you just imagine? Oh, it's why I hate it's, it. It's, it's yeah, I mean, it must be horrible for yeah. the business owner because they, yeah. they may have come into this. Most people who start a business start it out of necessity or, mm -hmm. um, or follow a passion into something. They've started doing this thing. Yeah. And then, you know, their friend, they started doing it for the friends and then they're friends friends and it's usually quite an organic process yeah and at what point is it that you then get the advice and then yeah know, and then do it and yeah. invest in it i know yeah. and, and it is and it is a lot more reasonable um than people would think like you say and, and thank thankfully organizations like yours are disrupting the market and making mm -hmm. it more accessible for people yeah. um but nonetheless you you need to know when to have that conversation and, and hopefully through the the great awareness that you're doing through just having conversations like this is is raising awareness of that we do have a question um <laughs> no pressure um, <laughs> i hope i know the answer <laughs> so this is um sarah anthony and this is very important for her i imagine because so background on sarah um she has a um a training company both in dubai um, and the uk um, for the way she trains coaches. So hers is very much about her material. Yes. This is pretty interesting. So um, what's about the written word, for example, training course material? Assuming the text in their course manuals um, or in our, in our blog um, can't be protected, but the models and tools could. So in terms of the written word itself, um, which was we didn't actually mention. No, sorry, I, I get excited about yeah, other no, stuff. No, we go tangent. You're right to do that because I'm worse than you, I promise. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so copyright in something like a written text or some plans or a jewellery design or something like that will subsist automatically in the UK. So the key thing when you've got training manuals or any document like that is to keep dated copies of it. So, so, um, you know, it, the protection will subsist automatically. There's no um, 
registered right around that in right. the UK, but the you know it will subsist and it's um, it protects against copying of a whole or substantial part. So any materials that you're creating, make sure you put a watermark on the bottom. You know, copyright yeah. of whoever created it, and particularly with copyright, um, it's really important to be good records. So say if you've designed um, something then um you know have dated drawings you know email Come them on. to yourself so you've got a paper trail because then if someone's copied say you've um i don't know got a ring design or something someone copies it a couple of years down the line you've got proof that you designed this ring okay. on this date so well, that's quite simple then it's not yeah, too bad it's you know things like that for, particularly for copyright and when you're designing stuff it's super important to keep dated records of okay. um the creation and the design process and um, because that does help with enforcement later on sure. down the line and then in other in relation to her other things sort of like the models and mm -hmm. the platforms i mean that that will depend um what exactly they are fine um but there might be something um in the software that might be patentable that's not my area so if, they, know, if they've got like a coaching model or or something you know kind of a way of coaching or a way of yeah so that is going to be difficult to protect there's right, no fine. one set thing that protects that but it's a combination of protecting the brand um you yeah. know any logos the copyright in the material itself so it's utilizing all the different areas okay. of ip altogether. to build a little package to exactly, support it yeah. oh, okay fine well she says she's done that and she put yay <laughs> well done well done sarah <laughs> okay that's cool so so let's talk sorry i'll let you so copyright just explanation of copyright sorry yeah so i mean that's you know in kind a nutshell really it's um it protects creative and artistic works essentially so paintings buildings yeah. um you know plans for buildings um anything like that really literary works okay. um but that's all the paperwork in terms of that's a that's a um an administrative task by the business owner to make yeah, sure they're documenting that journey exactly right. there are territories such as the us and china for example where there are copyright registers so right. you can register copyright in um, particularly in logos that tends to be what gets yeah, registered yeah. um but in the uk the copyrights is that where you get the little c Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's with a little C. Yeah, and then the TM is trademark. So anybody can use that. So that is used to identify something you consider as a trademark of yours, so like a strap line or okay. it doesn't have to be registered. You can't use the R in the symbol, R in the circle symbol until you've got a um actual register registration because it is a criminal offence. Is that a global thing? Yeah. Yeah. So as long as you've got a registration, you can use the R symbol. Okay. Fine. Yeah. yeah. So that clears it up quite yeah. nicely, actually. Yeah. yeah it's all right. <laughs> and with those, um, I think consistency is key as well. So if you want, if you've got a registration and you want to use it, use it consistently. Yeah. Don't sort of use TM somewhere or R somewhere and then not use it at all somewhere all else. Right. There's no requirement to use it. Um, it's personal preference. Yeah. It, I imagine a lot of people just use it because it makes them look a bit more professional. Yeah, and I think, you know, particularly where you may struggle to get a trademark, so perhaps some strap lines aren't seen as distinctive enough to function as a trademark. Right. And then you can, through years of use, if you can show that you've had extensive use of it and consumers recognise it as being coming from you, you can then get your registration later on. Right. But in the meantime, it's always useful to have the TM because it's like you're, you're sort of saying, this is what I consider to be my, yeah, you know, yeah. my trademark at the moment. Okay. Fine. So do I dare ask, and you probably can't share too much, but um, any kind of stories that, that, that stick in your head from your experience that, that were kind of uh, a bit profound that you could share 
um, horror stories or or success stories as well? I don't. I mean, obviously, you can't talk yeah. about the brands. I imagine. No, but- no, I can't. I'm just trying to think of something that would be interesting that I could share. Um, I'm just thinking what we can learn from, you know, we're very good at learning from mistakes, entrepreneurs. So it's sometimes helpful yeah. to learn from other people's mistakes. So I think what I common mistakes on maybe before, yeah. So the, you know, the, the common mistake, really the key one is not clearing your brands before yeah. you start using them. So that's a big thing to make sure that you've um, considered where you're going to be using and yeah. what you're going to be using on at the start, because you don't want to end up in a situation where say you've, um, launched a brand in the UK it's been super successful but then realized that you can't go into France or Germany because there's someone using the same brand for the same thing and they have the earlier rights there so um it's all about you know that's where searches come in I suppose exactly yeah Yeah, fine because you want to be consistent and that's not just for that maybe your brand translate differently in a different it's like the whole jiff and sif do you remember the old jiff and sif thing exactly which country was that it meant something really quite rude I think yeah I I can't remember where it was like we or something wasn't it it was like jiff I'm sure it's Spain yeah, but it was GIF, and then, I don't know if it's now GIF or now SIF, but yeah, it was always SIF on the continent. I think they've moved it to SIF in the UK, right? As well, fine, just to get it global, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing because it's not ideal to have your products. No. Because I mean, obviously, COVID apart from walkers, they have lays, they have lays, and, and, and yeah. yeah, but um, and you can tell because of the packaging, you know, when you go into other countries, like, I think that would be that brand, but you know, you never quite know, yeah. so it's always good to be consistent with that. And also when you're starting out is to think about the possibilities of where your business is going to go. Because again, you don't want to be, you know, successful in one product category area. And then two years later think, oh, I really want to launch a beer to go alongside this. And actually you can't do that. So it's being forward thinking enough not to go mad. Like obviously, you know, some people will come to me, oh, I want to protect globally. I'm like, not even the biggest brands in the world protect globally because <laughs> it's just so expensive. Imagine. But it's thinking about a realistic, where would I like to be in five, ten years' time? And making sure you put the trademark in broad enough to cover potential expansion areas as well. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of a, a key thing. And is there um, a time limit act? Because it's um, we're, again, as business owners and that journey that we tend to take, yeah. you know, thinking – a year ahead is sometimes difficult for us, especially in today's world. There's so yes. much agility uh, required in business now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in an ideal world, most businesses, especially if they've got funding, they can spend a year developing their strategy, developing their team, developing their product. But for most, I would say mm-hmm. most businesses, I mean, given the fact that 96% of the businesses in the UK are not to nine employees, so I yeah. would say are micro businesses, yeah. um, you know, I don't think they're planning five years in advance no. and that's the, that's that, that challenge, isn't it? Exactly. So you need to have that activity at the front just to get those questions in to say, well, yeah. could I, and would I, yeah. and should I do that? Exactly. And that's a benefit, um, particularly with the trademark system as well. So the trademarks, when you file, they're broken down into classes. So All there's right. 45 classes and it's my party trick that I, if you tell me a product, I will tell you what class. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. So give us a product. Come on, tell us a product in the comments and we'll, we'll test that. We'll test that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so different classes cover different things. So, yeah. you know, if you're in health and beauty, you're going to be in class 44, for example. So um, it might be a natural extension to you think of, oh, do you know what? I've got a health and beauty salon. I might want to do my own product range. I should probably think about clearing actual cosmetic products. Okay, um, that makes sense. And things like that. So 
it doesn't have to be major, but it just, you know, think about your related yeah. areas. That's important from a sort of clearance initially yeah. and also the protection because um, for the first five years of your trademark's life, you don't need to prove use if someone asks you to. Right. So it gives you, so it's from the registration date. So you'll file, you, your rights will date from your application date. It will then get examined by an examiner. It'll then go through an opposition period where third parties have the option to object if they want to, yeah. and then it'll get registered. So once you get the registration certificate, that date, you've then got five years within which to use it. So, you know, nothing could happen. People could have, you know, 20 years worth of use, you know, no one, and they might not have used it. No one will challenge. But if someone challenges you after five years yeah. and say, mm, do you know what? I don't think you're using one of those products. They can then apply to cancel the stuff that you're not. Okay, using. cool. So you can go quite broad with it. So yeah. when you, when we're talking about that, okay, that's probably, that's very helpful because I think then you can say, well, I might go into those areas. Yeah. You don't have to define the product of which, but you might, let's like, say, that's a perfect example. Hair, hair, you know, hair and beauty. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do my own product, so I'm, I need to look at cosmetics. And that's as far as I need to go. Yeah. So I think wow. you know a reasonable sort of area around your brand. So in the UK, when you file, you have to sign to say you have a genuine intention to use. So yeah. as long as it's within a related area. So say if you're, I don't know, say you're in health and beauty, and then you file for industrial chemicals, for example. You know, there could be a question around whether you do wow. have that. If you find a European trademark, you don't have to sign to say you have an intention oh, to use. Fine. So slightly different systems, um, but I won't bore you with the case. The case <laughs> is changing a little around that at the moment. But contrary to the UK and EU systems in the US, you need to use to maintain your registration. So oh. whilst you can file within, it depending, there's different filing bases in the US, but once you get to the registration point, you need to show that you're using. It's a very use-based system, yeah. whereas other systems are more like, you know, first to file and then you've got five years or, you know, three years in some cases to use them depending. And if they don't, they can be challenged. They can be challenged. Otherwise, you just keep renewing them. But if you say you're opposing someone else, mm -hmm. um, if your mark has been registered over five years as part of the proceedings, they can say, well, you need to show me that you're using on. It's just fair enough. Terms. Yeah. Otherwise, exactly. you're just locking up market. You know, and that's no, that's not good for anyone, right? Yeah. Well, it depends whether you're the brand owner. Well, or yeah, that's true. <laughs> it depends I mean, where you're I, sitting with that. I can imagine yeah. though that this, this, I, I can just picture these kind of rogue pirate trademarkers that are out trademarking things for the as a, yes. as a career almost. Yes. Is that a thing? Is there, that there was a guy um, uh, called Gleisner who. When, right, he registered hundreds and hundreds really of so it is a thing yeah. right yeah and then he's holding them to ransom like going to yeah but wow. basically there's a provision when you file in bad faith so basically yeah. there's an objection you can object to a trademark that's been he's done it for faith. profit basically yeah exactly so um yeah so most trademark professionals will have come across a glass in the mark at some point and right. it's been written about in the ip blogs and things like that so they interesting characters because yeah. you see it all the time with like um I, I hate people sitting on domains. Yeah, we deal with a lot of domains. Like yeah, that. I can imagine yeah. you do. And I just, you know, I, th I hate that. I, I, like, I look for opportunities mm -hmm. and, you know, we've got a, um, a, a street food thing coming up soon. Yeah. So we found the domain. And I was mm -hmm. like so happy I found the domain, but we were yeah. straight to use. But I know people yeah. that will literally straight up buy loads and loads of domains yeah. on the basis that at some point someone's going to buy it off them. Yeah. And, you know, how protectable... So, um, so if I just bought the domain, can I protect that domain? Like, uh, uh, you know. So when you buy the domain, obviously you buy in the address that people will go to yeah. to get to the website. 
Um, if you are a brand and someone has basically ripped off your brand in a domain name, mm-hmm. um, there are procedures, um, d- domain disputes, basically, where right. you can get those back. They're not intended to cover infringement. So say if there's a genuine business that's, when I say genuine, as in it's someone is genuinely selling products under that brand, whether yeah. or not it infringes you or not is another matter. It's not really designed for that. It's designed to combat cyber squatters or people. Right. Like, so say if um, I've got a brand in the UK and then someone registers it in Australia purely to hold me to ransom for it and they've said, oh, you know, give me 10K and I'll give you back. Yeah. Um, then that's a really good case for a um, domain complaint. So there are definitely mechanisms. Yeah, out of it. So, yeah, I think people feel like they're held to ransom and they just get scared and yeah. just pay the bunny. You know? Yeah, and that's the thing. And you've got to be able to show that you have an earlier right. And it's, you know, this it was registered, depending on the forum, it's either registered and being used in bad faith or it was registered or being used in bad faith. Right. But there's certain hurdles to overcome, but there's definitely mechanisms. Um, mm. And we also, for our clients, um, offer domain watching and content services. So we watch their brand on social media, marketplace, places domains being registered and then we provide them with the data and depending on what brand it is you know they might just keep the reports and look at themselves and ask us if they've got a query or we might have monthly calls where we go through the results wow. and we say right we need to write to these people to tell them to delete these people to tell them to transfer it to us and so yeah wow it's, it's really quite complex isn't it yeah. it's crazy it's one of those i think a lot of people will start a business they go i've just got a domain that's that's i'm, I'm sorted yeah and yeah. that's the thing with the domains as well is a lot of people think once they've got a company registered in a domain that that means they're okay and unfortunately it's not, it's not because particularly with all the new gtlds that were released um well you know quite a while ago now there's, yeah. there's hundreds of domains out there so oh, yeah. actually getting a domain is not too tricky yeah. um from that perspective and also you know from a company's house they do a very you know it's a very narrow search mm. as to what it can be pretty close to yeah, you could have facebook and exactly. get facebook to buy you or buy your domain yeah i imagine that's just probably what happens to be fair yeah so people register a company and um it will go through company's house, but actually we would then come in from a trademark perspective, you know, we can do a company names tribunal complaint based on trademark rights and it would be forced to change its name or right. given a company name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's been a lot of work done to ensure that people's brands, they don't, they aren't held to ransom yeah. over people, um, you know, registering things as an opportune, you know, trading yeah. off their reputation. Basically. That's good because you need, you need that protection in the market. Yeah, because you've worked hard to gain that reputation. So, um, and particularly with, you know, um, trademarks as well, even if you've got an earlier right, which you're very famous for in a particular area, if there's someone doing it in a different product area, there's a mechanism, you know, so I might see, um, a product and think oh that reminds me of mm. I don't know GHD or someone but I know it's not I still because I think well that's probably the same similar kind of thing but it's cheaper I'll buy that there's a mechanism to be able to enforce against that kind of use as well you just need to be yeah. able to establish a link because you've got trust as a consumer you looked at it and got oh, I trust that brand but that's a subconscious trust because yeah. of you recognizing it mm, exactly. oh, interesting. Exactly. there's a lot of psychology in brand isn't there yeah there is yeah, yeah. and um yeah, as I said before, you know, it's very subjective about what people, you know, perceive to be similar and what isn't. But yeah. you've, got, uh, you've got a very interesting line of work there. It's very uh, fascinating. <laughs> I'm one of those boring people who finds my job really interesting. No, it is interesting. <laughs> it really is interesting. And it's very relevant. It's very relevant. And um, it's become, going to become even more relevant, mm-hmm. I think, as we get 
more businesses being registered. I mean, we've got record number of businesses registered this yeah. year. Yeah, and the fact that people can become more global a lot more easily now. Oh, um, yes. We've got the internet and everything, and that's dramatically changed how trademark law works. And mm. you know, is you know, if you've got an infringing uh, website, is it actually targeting the UK? Whilst I can access it from the UK, are they offering services in pounds? Mm. Can I do something about it, or is it just you know, it's there, but actually they're targeting Indonesia and nothing's in English and actually it's, you know, there's not much you can do about it yeah, from yeah. UK perspective. So, yeah. Okay, fine. So I've got a product for you. <clears throat> what about camera? Camera in nine. Uh, what about whiteboard? A whiteboard. Ah. Uh, now, in ah. interactive whiteboards will be in nine because they're electronic. I would say an actual physical whiteboard. Hmm. Ah. Well, you got the first 16, one. 16, I think. Yeah, okay, probably, fine. Yeah. yeah, you have to check. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope so. 16, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about bike? 12. She's all over it. That's amazing. <laughs> Is there anything else that you think um, that, that's relevant that we that we should know? Um, so I think the key thing probably is um, to make sure you think about your you know, where your business is going and the direction. Yeah. What actual IP do you have? It won't just be trademarks. You might have some designs. Get advice early on. Yeah. Um, you know, we do, and I'm sure, you know, other people do. Um, we'll offer, you know, an initial call and some initial advice as to, you know, these are the brands you've told us about. Um, this is what we would recommend. This is kind of the process. So we would look at it holistically and give recommendations about timeframes, about wh what we should do when, work with budgets. So it's always good doing bits piecemeal yourself. Sometimes you could either, oh, I've got a trademark for that, but then it would maybe slightly different. Your logo might have updated since then. It's worth so a conversation. It's definitely worth having, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't do my own painting and decorating because quite frankly, like, no, there's people, either, yeah. people better at it than me. So I think, you know, it's quite a complex area and there are pitfalls that you can fall into accidentally. So I think, yeah. you know, if you can get advice, um, get advice, I mean, interestingly, do you think, uh, I've always said that the, the barrier to entry mm -hmm. to start a business is way too low as it is. Mm -hmm. It's 12 pounds. Yeah. You know, you register a business company, it's 12 pounds. Congratulations. I'm a business owner. Yeah. But actually, you know, this is probably one of those things that, you know, along with some education around kind of how you, you know, manage your cash flow and P&L and, and just some basic education on there, it's probably something that should be right at the front end as a mandatory thing. Definitely. I, you know, I think that would be useful. Um, and, yeah, and, you know, thinking about, we talked about it earlier, about consistency, making sure you have brand guidelines and, yeah have tight sort of restrictions on who can use your brand, who you're given permission to. Um, thinking about ownership as well, that's another pitfall that people fall into. Is it the individual owning it? Should it be the business owning it? Mm -hmm. Do we need to put licenses in place if it's an individual? There's pros and cons with whether the individual themselves own it or whether obviously we, if the business owns it, there's a limited liability mm -hmm. on um, you know, any action that might come in. So, um, and if, you know, it was filed in the name of an individual, you can't just change the name. It has to have a formal assignment process. So, right. um, and if you're dissolving a business as well, so perhaps you started one business, you're keeping the brand, but you've opened up another company for whatever reason, make sure the IP is transferred out because if yeah. it doesn't and you dissolve the company, it goes to the crown and then you have to buy it back from the crown or someone else can oh, buy it. Oh, wow. So, you can, so if That's companies dangerous. dissolve, yeah. And, you know, that does happen sometimes where people um, 
have you know the ip filed in one company and then they're doing some restructuring and they're like oh, we don't need that company dissolve it and then the ip has gone so you know that's something just to bear in mind yeah, as yeah. well um, on the design front on the the um the the designing let's like, say you, know, you go to a designer mm-hmm. to does in a, using your example you don't paint the doors yeah. well I, I can't design a logo yeah. i'll get a logo a design a graphic design do it logo yeah from a copyright point of view you need to get that assigned to you that's so very they good have point. to actually need to assign that's a conversation as a yeah. business owner you should be having with your yeah, designer design at the front and, end yeah and yeah that any design rights or copyright in anything that's been produced for you is assigned to you right fine and likewise yeah. if you're a graphic designer if you're a yeah. freelance graphic designer for instance you need to be aware of that because yeah. you're going to need to be able to avoid if someone asks you that question you need yeah. to know what to do and there's reasons you know um why graphic designers might want to keep mm. hold of the rights in it as well yeah, you fair know? Enough. um and that, that's a straight commercial negotiation about you know do they pay extra for you know yeah having you know as you know if i'm going to a designer i'd expect to have the rights in the You'd hope so, wouldn't you? For, but yeah. you know um but i did have it once that we were looking to protect some designs and as part of the contract um they didn't own Wow, really? So, you know, um, that's something that's, that's a really useful point to raise to bear in mind is that you make sure you own everything yeah. that you're using. Okay, no, good. I'm glad or I've been you've got the right permissions. Hey, see, look, I've, got, I've got the question. I just ask questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to worry about it. You see, I told you this because I'll just I'll ask, I like asking silly questions. It's fine. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to cover? Are you happy with that? Um, no, I think that's it. I think. Perfect. Um, in terms of outreach yeah. to to um, where can we find more information on Stobbs and yourself in terms of where we can connect with you? Yeah, so if you um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, and also Stobbs, the website is iamstobbs.com. Yeah. Um, and we've got a blog on there. We've got um, social media pages, Facebook and what have you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, drop me an email. Give me a call if you've got any questions. Always happy or Lovely. one of the team is happy to to speak to people awesome any questions thank you very much for your time no worries thank you cool thanks everyone there we have it claire from i am stops fantastic so interesting i mean it's such a deep field really isn't it if you think imagine you have to defend your brand globally like some of the brands that they represent but hey you know good problems to have if you're at that stage already Um, So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I certainly did. Uh, Please do subscribe, um, share this with your network if you think it could be useful to them. And by all means, um, if you want to connect with Claire and her brands, uh, please do find her on LinkedIn as, as she discussed. We'll be back with more next time on Shifty's Podcast.